Following Jesus isn't always easy, but it's not complicated. And on this podcast, we try to make real life simple by dealing with the issues that we can probably get kind of messed up with and see how Jesus makes them a lot less complicated. So this is the Rusty George podcast. We're so glad to have you with us today. And today I'm honored to have with us one of my personal heroes in the job I have in ministry, a pastor by the name of Tim Harlow. Tim pastors a church up in the Chicagoland area, and I will let him tell you more about himself, but uh, I'm just so glad to have him on on the program. As always, we would love it if you would share a review on the podcast. We have several up there already right now, and we'd love for you to join. And if you have questions on anything that we talk about, hey, send them my way at rgeorge, R-G-E-O-R-G-E, at reallifechurch.org. And we'd love to get to those in our conversations that we have on the show. So make sure that you uh, share this with a friend. And I hope that you enjoy my conversation with Tim Harlow. Well, I'm honored today to have uh, Pastor Tim Harlow on the podcast. Tim has been a friend for many years. And Tim, I don't know if you remember this or not, but I met you at a conference at our alma mater, Ozark Christian College. <laughs> oh, you're even going to mention the name. Really? I am. Okay. I am. I'm proud of my school. Um, <laughs> no one knows where it is. They don't even know Missouri exists out here in California. But uh, anyway, uh, you graduated a few years ahead of me. Um, and so our, our, paths, yeah, uh, our paths never crossed. But I heard you speak at this conference. And I just thought, man, this is a guy that gets it. And... I asked you afterwards, we were sitting, standing out there in the hallway at the multi-purpose building. And I said, man, could I just call you up from time to time and ask you questions? This was before we, you know, we're using email all the time, uh-huh. text, texting, obviously. And you said, absolutely. And you have been so generous with your time to me and just helping me think through leadership stuff. And I just want to say thank you for that. But thanks also for being on the podcast. And it's great to have you here. Uh, it's my pleasure, man. And And the reason I said yes is because if I was ahead of the curve on you back in that in that day, that would have been like, gosh, 97, 98, something like that. I do remember that if, if I was just barely ahead of the curve. And there's a lot of people, you know, Don Wilson was at that thing. And um, mm. he was somebody that was doing that into my life at that point. And, mm-hmm. um, man, and now you and I need to be doing that more with uh, the ones who are coming along. Yeah, absolutely. As well. But my pleasure to be here. Well, uh, tell everybody uh, just a little bit about, you know, your background and where you do ministry and where you're from and those kind of things. Yeah, I mean, you know, the Ozark Christian College was life changing for me like it was for you. I grew up in Oklahoma. I was a pastor's kid. Um, went to went to this Bible college, decided to do ministry, did a couple of youth ministry stints. And then, uh, man, it was it's hard to believe it was I'm going to say it was probably 30 years ago exactly this weekend that I came up to Chicago hmm. and it was sometime in October and, and, and I came up to Chicago to talk to this church, this uh, little church up here, Tenley Park Church of Christ is what it was called. And my wife and I cried when we went back to the hotel room because we knew God was calling us here and we kind of knew what it was going to be like. And, you know, our two and a half year old daughter was going to be leaving her friends. That was traumatic for us. Um, it wasn't for her, obviously, but, you know, so we've been here for 30 years. It was a, uh, was a church that was of 150 people on the weekend on a good day and it was being held together by a 
church planting organization because it was in, I mean, it was literally on life support. There, there was a, there was an IV running into it from a church planting organization that was just kind of trying to keep the doors open. And, and it, it was, and it was a mess and it did, they, they didn't know who they wanted to be. Um, well, half of them knew they wanted to be one thing and half of them wanted to be another thing. And so, you know, it, it was, it was a mess. It took us about 10 years to work through all that. And as Erwin McManus says, uh, you know, kill one church and start another. It took about 10 years to do that. And, uh, and then God lifted the lid and, you know, things have, things have gone crazy from that point on. So now we're in three campuses. We're in the Southern, our Southern part of the suburbs of Chicago. So I guess the big question is, are you a Cubs fan or White Sox fan? Uh, I am a St. Louis Cardinals fan and because um, that's growing up and that means I could be a Sox fan and I can still hate the Cubs one way that's or the true. other. It all works out. Yeah. So what did that do to, you know, there's so many jokes about the Cubs winning the World Series when they did. I mean, you lost a lot of material through that, right? Do you know, this is so funny and you'll appreciate this as much as anybody. I got a text from Dave Stone like right, right after it was over. And he said, dude, you got to go back and change your life on mission curriculum. He said, my small group has been going through your life on mission stuff. And you made some joke about the Cubs winning the World Series. And I hadn't even thought about it, you know, and I taped all that stuff. And, and you know, for the crowd, that was a book I wrote back in 14. And, and a lot of people were doing the material. And there's a there's something in there. I still rail on the Cubs. I, you know, I mean, they're still a one hit wonder. So it, it's, it's OK. But, um, yeah, it did. It, it, it changed a lot of things up here. I mean. It was an easy target for a very long time. And this is such a sports crazy town, as you well know. Right. right. Well, that's uh, I, I mean, it, there was a lot of people saying it was bad for baseball for them to win because it was they were the lovable losers. So, right. Oh, well, but in our lifetime, we've seen the Sox or the Red Sox, that is, and the, yeah. the Cubs break those streaks. So right. the Indians are right. next, I guess. I hope so. Yeah. OK, so. Let me ask you this question as a pastor, and I want to get to your book here in just a minute. But, you know, you mentioned that you had to kill a church to start another and then momentum took off. Um, and you and I've talked about this before, the big mo, you got to get momentum and mm -hmm. keep momentum going. What do you do when you're in a church and it's lost momentum? H how do you bring that back? Which I know is like starting the flywheel again. It's tough, but yeah, yeah. where have you seen kind of the ebb and flow of that in your ministry? Um. It kind of as soon as you asked me that question, Rusty, it went to the conversation that is going around in my brain as a 58 year old pastor trying to figure out what the the, the next phase of my life looks like. And um, you and I both know pastors that have gone at this point and, and started new ministries and started over and done all that stuff. And I just think there is no way I could possibly do that at this point. What it takes is a great deal of energy and enthusiasm and a very thick skin um, to get to, to, to figure out how to reach your audience. And, you know, for me, that was a big that part of the 10 year process in the beginning, I think, was about learning how to talk to a South Side Irish Catholic guy, because, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. that's not how I grew up. And, um, you know, so I had to I had to figure those things out. You got to figure out what that looks like. And if you're a young leader in a church right now and you've, you've got a stalled out church, 
you're looking at, okay, so what do I need? Do I need a building? Do I need more parking? Do I go multi-site? Do we go online? I mean, there's so many different things that, that, that you're looking at now, but that we're looking at, you and I are looking at for real life and, and park view. I mean, you know, what, what is next? It used to be easy. It used to be, you know, we'll go to two services and three services and go build a bigger building. But now finding Mo, I think is, is all over the place and, and, and it's going to take top down enthusiasm. What it took for me back in the day, even though I had, you know, one track I thought I was on was it took the determination to keep beating my head against the wall until some bricks started loosening up. And, and it's not easy, man. I, I don't think I could do it again at this point. And don't you think, as I think about the younger pastors coming up and I hate to talk like an old guy, but right. we're, we live in such a, um, you know, quick fix mentality that a lot of these things we're talking about that can create momentum, they just take longer than we're giving them, myself included. We yeah. want we want overnight overnight success and fixes, and because we see that happening in some places, or we watch it on on Instagram, right. but we obviously don't know the story behind the story. Right. No, you're absolutely right, and and it seems like it, you know, I mean, multi site's a great example. It just seems like. I talked to so many, so many people who are like, well, you know, our church has been stalled out. We're going to go start another campus. I'm like, man, I mean, I hope that works, but that's not necessarily the answer. Um, creating a place for people to show up is, is good and an answer, but that may not be the answer to your problem. And you may be magnifying it. So there's a lot of different ways to, 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 to shop for it, see what you got to do to get the mo. Mm. But it's got to be, it, it's got to be, from the top down. It's got to come from the pulpit. It's got to come from the person that's there, that's got a fire, that's got a mission and an objective and is willing to, you know, stare down the old timers that want to keep everything the same. And, um, man, that was a hard season. Mm -hmm. Wow. And these are the things that, uh, that make you who you are and, but you'd never want to go through them again. Yeah, exactly right. Okay, let me ask you about the let me ask you about the book. And you've written a few books now. Uh, the last book, Life on Mission, we went through as a church and loved it. It was fantastic. I think that was the time you were out here to speak. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the the new book, man, I love this title. And as somebody who tries to write, I have title envy because this is a great title. I've heard that from a lot of people. <laughs> uh, you nailed it, man. Um, but the the book is called What Made Jesus Mad. Uh, tell us a little about why, why this book, why would you write this one? The, the title is provocative in a way. And that's kind of fun because I've ended up doing some radio interviews and, you know, whatnot. And people just assume when they see the title that I, that I want to talk about righteous anger. And, um, the funniest part of it is, uh, Jesus had righteous anger, but it was against the people who had righteous <laughs> anger, <laughs> you know, I mean, so, so, exactly. you know, I mean, that, that's, that was the impetus for the book. I mean, this, this is the book that's been on my brain for 10 years. And I really felt like this is what God wanted me to, to say and to talk about. And it, it, it goes back to my, uh, you know, I, I kind of call this my 95 thesis for the church in a way, this kind of is my, uh, Luther nailing some stuff to the wall about the church and who the church is supposed to be. And, and it was the realization that Jesus was mad at the church leaders of his day. I think that for me, the, the, the bottom line for this was, G, you know, I always 
think the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the teachers of the law, but those were the church leaders of Jesus's church. Those were the God ordained church leaders of the church that Jesus was a part of. And those were the people that he was mad at all the time. And, and so, you know, when I started to boil it down, it just, it, it just became this revelation to me of, of, you know, legalism, judgmentalism, hypocrisy, and indifference to need were the four big things that Jesus was mad about. And it, they're the four big things that drive me crazy about the 21st century church. So maybe we got to go back and learn. And then, and then the key moment for me probably was when I got off my judgmentalism and realized that uh, I'm one of those guys and I need to learn from this as well. That, that was what was super important was for me. I mean, I can, I can, I can go at it pretty hard as you well know and call everybody else out, but I needed to, I needed to kind of own it. Mm. And that's what I ended up doing. Yeah. And I think that we live in an age, well, it's always kind of been this way in the church. We, we get really good at talking at each other yeah. and, you know, being mad at each other. And that's what Jesus was upset about. Obviously the righteous, you know, indignation and, yeah. and yet we do so little of reaching out to others, which was a big part of this book. And that's what yeah. frustrated Jesus so much. So not, not to give the entire book away, but what are some of the things that did make Jesus mad? Uh, no, the, and, and I don't mind giving it away, you know, whatever we got to do. The, the bottom line, when I sign books, like for somebody, I put Matthew 23, 13 down, which nobody who's ever signed books has ever put in that scripture before, because mm -hmm. it's a f woe to the Pharisees. You're blocking the kingdom of God. And that is the that is the theme of what always made Jesus mad was blocking access to the kingdom. You know, and I, I start right off at the beginning talking about the temple. And I used to think, you know, that, that the temple thing was about them selling stuff in the temple until I started to dig into it. And I realized that they were in the court of Gentiles. This was a huge revelation to me. They're in the court of Gentiles. And so they're not blocking the Jews while they're selling their stuff. They're, the, the Jews have their own place where they're already on the inside. They're blocking everyone else. And Jesus was mad because, you know, they were blocking everyone else. That was the reason. And healing on the Sabbath, and he's, he, he looked at them, you know, and, and he, it, with indignation. I mean, he was angry because they just didn't get what the point was. The church didn't get the point. And I believe today that the church just doesn't get the point. The point is not about following the laws the right way. It's not about whether you sell stuff or don't sell stuff in church. The point is about allowing access to God, to the Father. Yeah, I remember the uh, the days when churches started building bookstores as a part of their building and the outrage of people saying, well, this is exactly what Jesus was against. And I thought, exactly. yeah, we really yeah. missed the point. You know, you know, my story, I was in the Impact Brass and Singers, you know, and I had to, our music group from Ozark, we had to go in and the first thing we did was find out whether we could sell our records or not, you know, and they were <laughs> records, boys and girls, they're final records. That's what they were. And for our listeners who have no idea what the Impact Brats and Singers are, they have really missed out. <laughs> Please don't Google that. I have no idea what you'll find. Were, were you part of the Singers or part of the Brass? I was the Brass, believe it or not. Yeah, I've always been the Brass. I always thought it was funny that people that were 
those that sang always called it impact and those that were part of the band always called it brass. So brass, yeah. you're right. You're right. That's right. <laughs> wow. That's good, man. What a, what a trip back. I'm There's a blast line. from the past. It is. Yeah. Sorry about that. I've still got an album cover. Oh, I, you right. know, when I go do guest speaking, I pull it up and show it to people. It's hilarious, <laughs> but, but that's the, that's the, that's the silliness of the, of the whole thing. Um, you know, these guys, these guys are thinking that following the rules and, you know, the, the epitome of it to me is the, is the story Jesus tells of the Pharisee who stands up and prays about himself. Uh, you know, God, I thank you that I'm not like this lowly tax collector. I thank you that I give and I'm such a great person. And you just see that self-righteous attitude. And then the lowly tax collectors in the back beating his breast and saying, woe is me, I'm a sinner. And Jesus said, he's the one that goes home, you know, justified that that's a that's pretty huge stuff. Mm -hmm. and, and so it's a it's a call to stop standing up and praying about ourselves and help the tax collector and, you know, the prostitute and the sinner and, you know, the woman at the well and the woman caught in the act of adultery. And I mean, all of these great stories. This is my heart. This is the if I never write another book, this is the book I wanted my grandkids to have to know mm -hmm. who they're papa was yeah well and and you've done it it's a it's a great read it's a fun read and uh if we can you know just take a brief pause in the seriousness of our conversation you tell a story about doing a wedding at a sticks concert would you <laughs> would you share that with our listeners i think i told you when i saw you this recently that the 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 drummer uh who was this guy's uh brother um who's passed away i'll tell the story but the drummer wants to hang out after they get off i guess sticks is still touring you know like all the other old bands i don't i don't know how it's all going but he he heard me tell the story and he wants to get together it was one of those deals where and this was early on this was like 92 or something like that and uh they called me out of the blue and um they were calling they were literally just calling every local church to see if they could find a pastor who would go up on stage <laughs> in like three days and and marry the bass player to his fiance and you know i get the call and i'm like oh man i want to do this so bad but i better check with my elders and you know i need to think about this because we're supposed to do marriage counseling and you know all this stuff mm -hmm. but it's not going to work you know it's a, so we talked about it we thought well it's an opportunity for the gospel and let's see what happens and um so they sent a limo to my house, picked me and my wife up and my sister-in-law was visiting and, you know, gave us these great seats. And then, yeah, the, the story is about my backstage pass. I mean, I got a backstage pass. Of course, I'm wearing back in those days, I'm wearing a suit and tie. Only guy in the Sticks concert with a suit and tie ever. And there's 14,000 people in this in this in this place. It's a reunion concert for them, even in 92 or whatever it was. I mean, it's that long ago. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm there. Uh, they give me the cue and I go backstage and I pop and they do come. I promise it went like this. They did come sail away, you know, and I'm in the back watching the band do come sail away, you know, their greatest song ever. And then and then Dennis DeYoung comes out and says, hey, we're going to have a wedding now and all you know all the drunken wasted people at that point are like yeah, whatever yeah that's funny dennis and and he's like no seriously i you know we're really gonna do this and we're gonna john panazzo and his fiance and they kind of quieted down and i want to introduce pastor tim harlow so i walk out and you know my suit and you know come out and all of a sudden here comes the bride and i mean we did a five minute ceremony and i married him right there on stage and 
we we kept in touch. I went to their wedding reception several months later when they got off tour. And as it turned out, he ended up with uh, liver disease because he drank too much and didn't last all that long after mm-hmm. that. But, um, and, uh, you know, I don't know if it was the right idea or not, but the story is killer in this because it's the backstage pass. Wow. The story is I got a backstage pass and the story of access to God was supposed to be when the veil was torn from top to bottom. That's what that's what the whole thing was about. Jesus died on the cross to give us access. And when we're blocking the kingdom with all of our legalistic, judgmental, all of our rules, all the things that that we throw in the way. I even talk a a chapter in here about science and how I did that for a while, because I thought, you know, I had all the answers to evolution versus creation. And all I was doing was creating more barriers. And what Jesus got mad at was when we created more barriers because he died to give us access to backstage Mm. to the temple to the father that that's so so profound and i i just think about our culture you and i were talking before we hit record about just some of the the ways that our churches and i mean the greater c church majors in the minors Mm. and we were just at a conference where we heard a guy say major in the majors and minor in the minors where do we make where do we miss that right now in our church culture? Well, yeah, gosh, I mean, one of the reasons that I will be glad at some point to turn the church over to a younger leader is because it's 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 growing exponentially. The majors and the minors are growing exponentially, but the way that we treat outsiders has to always stay the same. We have to figure out what our majors and what our minors. We have to be able to stand up and say, no, this is really what we do believe. But if you don't believe that way, we still love you and we still want you to be here. And somewhere the natural gravitational pull for us, Rusty, is that we start going, okay, well, you disagree with me. You can't be a part of this, or you need to be able to agree with me before you become a part of this. I mean, I'll go to the back to the easy example. The science example was, you know, I had this brilliant PhD guy come to me and say, so do I have to believe in in creationism one way or another? Or, you know, if, I, if I'm going to become a Christian, or can I just believe that God started it all and, you know, do theistic evolution? And is that okay? And it I mean, it, it, it slapped me up the, on the side of the head, literally. I mean, I was just like, wow, nobody's ever asked me that before. And I guess that even though I don't believe in theistic evolution, God would really be ticked off at me right now if I said, well, you can't come home unless you believe in creation the way that it's written in Genesis. I don't think that, you know, it goes back to Monty Python, you know, answer me these questions three. There's not going to be some little, little, you know, guy at the gate going, okay, can't cross the bridge until you get all this stuff right. It's possible also, the longer I live, that I'm wrong. <laughs> and, and so if we're going to, you know, we get, it, it, the, the, I could be, I mean, think about, think about where we've come, you know, with the, the role of women, for example, or, or whatever, from where we were back in the day to understanding some things very differently now than I did just some scriptures that I, I understand different or that I've translated in a way that, you know, I mean, Romans 16 says, Junia, 
was an elder. And according to everything I've read, Junia was a woman. And, you know, when you start putting those things together, I'm not I'm not I haven't figured all those things out yet. But but far be it from me to say, well, you have to believe you have to be a complementarian. You have to believe in male leadership in the church if you're going to be here. I, mean, mm-hmm. I might be wrong if I said that anyway. So uh, we've got to, we got to, uh, that, and that's not to say that we won't land on that, but people just need to know they're welcome to be here. And uh, I mean, the greater issue at this point is the LGBTQ thing. Um, there are some great Christian people out there that really believe that um, marriage can not be one man and one woman for a lifetime. It can be between the same sex and they believe they can interpret scripture that way. And so as I'm looking at scripture, trying to interpret scripture, I've got to decide if people that that disagree with me on, you know, what marriage definition is, can they, can they be a part of me? And, and those are the extreme examples. I mean, forget about, you know, tattoos or style of worship or whether you drink a beer or, you know, all the peripheral stuff that 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 we've been dinking around with for so long. It just felt to me, Rusty, like the church that I was going to in the 90s was still in the 50s. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, when I when I left the church or when I you know went to college uh, from my home church in Oklahoma in the 70s, that church was still in the 50s, but that felt a lot more, it felt a lot better then than it did 20 years later, still mm-hmm. being in the 50s. And, you know, so we sold the organ and bought video projectors and everything went uphill from there. <laughs> Good steps to take. All right, yeah, let, let me really did. Let me ask you this: Organist, organist broke her, broke her arm, only uh-huh. one we had left. And while her arm was broken, I sold the organ. That's that's my story. <laughs> <laughs> now that's a great story. Not as great as a stick story, but uh, no, it'll make a book sometime. It ought to make a book. That's great. She's still alive, I think. So I got to wait till. That's yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, things you can tell after you retire. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, oh, all right, man. let me. That's going to be a tell-all. That'll be awesome. Oh, guess I will be writing another book now that you say it. Oh, boy. (laughs) Okay, last question. Tell me a few things you think Jesus would celebrate. Man, I spent a bunch of time on the phone this morning with a guy who just can't quit screwing up his life. And, um, And when I got done, I thought, you know, Jesus would celebrate that. He hates what this guy's done to his life, but... You know, you hear the stories in the Bible. I mean, I spend two chapters on the adulterous woman, you know, and and all we know is what happened at that point. We don't know what happened after that. We don't know if she was a prostitute. We don't know if she was just caught in the act of adultery. We don't know if she never committed adultery again and got her life turned around. I mean, this is not something that we know, like, you know, like a Mary Magdalene who had demons and and we know that she followed you. We don't we don't know the rest of the story. And I think that's the beautiful part is that Jesus never really thinks that he's saving us in this life from all the dumb stuff that we do to ourselves. He knows that he's giving us the power. He knows that he's going to be there with us. But I think that Jesus celebrates the fact that 
that we make some baby steps every once in a while. And, and more than anything, he, he celebrates the fact that somebody crosses the line and says, I'm going to do this. I mean, that this guy I was talking to today is a follower of Jesus, no matter how bad he screwed up his life. Um, you know, that, that Kanye West is is a believer, you know, no matter what anybody wants to think. I think Jesus is is celebrating and not because Kanye's got influence, but because Kanye's figuring some stuff out and who knows what's going to happen in the future. I don't know. My life didn't turn over completely when I accepted Christ either, but he, he celebrates the fact that every once in a while uh, we get out of his way and we get out of his dad's way and, and the father runs to make sure the prodigal makes it home. Isn't it sad that, I mean, this whole news about Kanye had, you know, has come out and by the time we hear this, it will be, you know, a few months in, but it's sad to me, the number of, of, you know, emails that I get from different Christian sites that have podcasts and blogs from people trying to determine if he's legit. I mean, I know the guy came home. Wonderful. Let's celebrate it as opposed to figure it out. Who are you to judge another man's servant? I mean, I believe that's in there, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh, man. And that, I mean, you know, going back to it, that's, that's why I wrote the book. I, I, I hope that people can read this. The great thing about what's happened with the book is that um, a lot of people who were on the margins of Christianity, you know, there's a lot of people that grew up with it one way or the other, mostly a Catholic background up where I'm at. But um, they're reading this book and they're going, wow, I wish I would have had this 30 years ago. You know, I just mm-hmm. needed to know that Jesus loved me. And there's so much garbage that got in the way that I've been away from him for a long time. Mm-hmm. And that's got to break the father's heart. Yeah. So true. Well, I, I love the book. It's it's a great read. And having known you, I mean, it, it is your heart. It is your uh, Mr. Holland's opus. Uh, this yeah. is this yeah. is what it is. I mean, this is fantastic. And I would encourage all of our listeners to go pick it up. And so where, where can they, they get it? Obviously, Amazon, but you got a website. You got. Something? Yeah, I've got a site. What made Jesus mad book dot com is also a website. But yeah, just wherever you find them. They've done a good job of getting it out. I get, you know, I get a text from a library every once in a while or a Notre Dame bookstore. It's there. You know, they've, the HarperCollins has done a good job of putting it out there. So it's out there. But <laughs> um, yeah, wherever you find a good read. That's great. Well, Tim, thank you so much for your influence on not just pastors, but the church and on my life. And mm. so grateful for you and uh, look forward to hearing from you again. Well, I mean, think about how it passed on down, man. You started a church and now my kids, your audience doesn't get all that, but you guys started the Mission Church Ventura and now my kids work there. So this is how it works, bro. I'm glad to be in this with you. It's so great. Well, thanks a lot, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. All right, man. Bye-bye. Well, wasn't that a phenomenal piece of uh, content that Tim Harlow gave us about what makes Jesus mad, about majoring in the majors, minoring in the minors. And I'd encourage you in your own life just to take a moment and think through, you know, what is it that maybe you're too worked up about that Jesus wasn't? Or what is it that Jesus was passionate about that maybe you're not? And maybe some tweaks you want to make in your life uh, as we approach the new year. As always, thanks for listening, and if you think it'll bless somebody, share this with a friend.